Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Yeah, we can, you can be person one. I'll be person one. And oh, I'll be see, person you, two. you read the, the direction <laughs> so well. Well, what is the story behind your name? So, my current name, is, Hawaiian name is Kapueo Laakea Nui. And I wasn't born with that name. Uh, I was born in California. Um, and so my parents didn't know much about Hawaiian culture at all, mostly about our Native American side. When we moved to Hawaii in 1991, um, about a year after that, Auntie Diane and Auntie Nona um, gave my sister and me names. And so my name that was first given was Kapueo Lele Opualani. Because I don't know why they chose Pueo. I, it was an Almaku of Auntie um, Diane. But she said that owls don't usually fly in that high in the clouds, but that's how I arrived there. Um, and then she said Opua had to do with knowledge. I, I think that's the poor part of it. And then when I graduated to become a Kumuhula, um, she changed it to Kapueo Laakea Nui. And she said that Laakea is um, one of her family names. And so she wanted that um, to be for me. She also said that um, it's not the barn owl. I asked her, why is it a white owl? And she said that the la'akea is um, the form that her family omakua takes. And so, yeah, when I graduated, I dropped the other name. Also because lele means to be able to fly away and not fixed. And so she didn't want me to leave or the knowledge leave me. And so it changed to Ka Pueo La'a Kea Nui. And so some people write La'a Kea just without any markings, just the Okina, but she said it's La'a A Kea. Mm. So wide, wide sacredness. Mm -hmm. La'a Kea Nui. Great. And, and these ladies that were influential in your life, what are their full names and how did they come into your life? Sure. So. Um, and Tinona Mahilani Kaluhio Kalani was my first Kumuhula and the one that I eventually graduated through. Um, she was from Waialua O'ahu. Uh, she was a, a lifelong learner from Uncle George Naope. Um, she graduated through him. When we moved to Maui in 1991, September 91, two weeks after that, we looked in the paper and there was an uh, advertisement for hula opening. And before we left California, we asked our elders, what are we supposed to do in Hawaii? They said, do what you do here, but over there. So because we sing and dance there, um, we thought it was a good opportunity. So I called. We went to um, the Halau, which was practicing at the old Kihei Community Center um, by the church, um, by Suda store. And when we were introduced to the, the Halau, they came out and lined up and then kissed us. And the last group to kiss us were these five kupuna ladies. Um, and the last of them was Auntie Diane Napua Amadeo. Uh, she was um, uh, born in and raised in Kanayouka, a uh, Poaipuni family, but um, she's, I think, uh, also raised as Kaivi. She comes from the Kanawaliwali side. Um, she was the leader of that Kupuna group who served as like the counselors and advisors for the halal. When she got to me, she was crying already. And I didn't know if 
that was normal because this is our first experience like that. And then she, she pulled back and she said, oh, I'm um, so happy you came back. And I said, oh, we've never been here. And then she patted my face, she said, Putin. But later she told me <laughs> she had dreams about us coming and how we would interact. And so um, Auntie Diane and Auntie Nona were very pivotal in my, influential in my um, training as, as what I do today. So was this the time or the opportunity that we might say was the event that set your feet on the road to where you are today or was there another event? So I think, yeah, in California um, we have our tribal ways and so um, from a young age I was set aside and I was always kept by the old people that's why I get along with old people. I prefer to be with <laughs> old people. Yeah. And take They're care smarter of them. than anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, own, my cousins didn't have to. Um, and so uh, I was kind of raised in that vein. And then um, when I was 12, they had a prophecy ceremony um, for me. And that's kind of what you just, it just happens in our communities. And they said that um, I will be the feeder of his people. Um, and at the time, I just thought, oh, okay, must be my, my Indian people, um, but I'm also part Hawaiian, and so I end up having to carry both of those things. And so when I came here, I still gravitate toward Kupunan, and they, for some reason, like me too. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the kaina of things. Um, even to this day, like with Keone's family, the, the Kupun and his family will just tell me all these stories and he and I will drive away and I'll be like, oh, did you hear about this? And he's like, I never heard that story. <laughs> so I don't know why they want to tell me that stuff, but that's kind of where, how I got put on that, that path. So it started at a very young age mm -hmm. and continues to this very time. It does, it does. And my parents never had the same expectation of me. They had different expectations for all three of us. But they knew that um, I probably wouldn't go to university or college. And, you know, when you're going through high school, <laughs> you have all these school fairs and stuff. So I had this, this guilt, and my dad just said to me, no, um, you can always go to college at any time in your life and get the same education that the generations did before you and that anybody else um, will get. But you can only go to your, kupun, your elders or your kupuna while they're alive. And mm -hmm. so stay with them while you can. And then I did, then all my teachers passed away, but I still haven't gone to school yet. And, so. and, and you know, your dad was absolutely correct. School mm -hmm. is one avenue. It is oh, yeah. not the only avenue to knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> I think I would have flunked out. <laughs> no! <laughs> so, um, tell me about your neighborhood, uh, and are there any special places of interest there? Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate that I, I had what I considered the best of both worlds. Um, I, was brought, I was born in Honolulu, but my grandparents came to my parents and asked for me. Mm. Um, it wasn't yes at the beginning. Yeah. Um, they came back two or three times to ask. Um, and finally, my father said yes with the stipulation that when I was old enough to go to school, I would be sent back to them in Honolulu. 
because I was baby. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what happened. My uh, grandparents um, brought me to Maui and I was raised in the area known as Kaehu today. And um, from when I was baby until I was five years old. And then um, I went back to Honolulu mm. uh, to my parents. But every vacation, every summer, Christmas, um, school is out at two o'clock on Friday. I'm on the four o'clock plane to <laughs> Maui. And then um, on the last flight on Sunday to come back, go back to Oahu. So for me, I had the best of both worlds. I had the best of a country upbringing with my parent, grandparents here on Maui and Kaehu, um, Waiehu. And then the best of a, a city upbringing with my parents, but then um, most especially with my mother um, in Honolulu. So my, my, for me, my, the memories I'd like to talk about are, are me here on Maui. In uh, the area now known as Kaehu, and I say now known as Kaehu because when we were growing up, the fishermen that used to come down to the beach would always call the beach Long's Beach, which is my grandparents' last name, my mother's last name, because we were the last house on the road. There was no other house um, beyond us, and they could come and park in our yard so that they would go fishing, which is, you know, like 10 steps away. <laughs> so they would say they're going down to Long's Beach because they'd go to park in the Long's driveway and then go down to the um, bay to, to fish um, and dive and, and the rest of that. So the good country upbringing happened down there on Kaehu Bay in, in Waiehu with my, with my grandparents. Um, again, it was, um, you know, my grandfather died when I was about nine. My, my tutu lady, my grandmother didn't die till I was 24. Mm. So I spent a great deal of time with her. And she was a shoreline gatherer because we were right there on the beach. She knew, she knew limu, she knew everything in the kaheka, all the um, papai, all of the, the sea creatures that are under rocks and around places and um, being able to, to do that with her. Um, was the best, mm. you know? Having a country upbringing was the best. And we really didn't know that we were poor because everybody around us was the same, mm -hmm. you know? So we, my tutu man went fishing. We had a farm where we raised pigs and, and chickens and goats and... Um, our next door neighbors uh, raised vegetables, so we exchanged. Um, my grandmother didn't drive, so whatever we needed, we have to have close by. Mm -hmm. We had to have close by. So the neighborhood itself, there were maybe about 15 families that lived within walking distance. 
Um, and it was all country folk. Um, you learned how to, uh, you had chores you had to do, you, you learned how to amuse yourself and stay out of your grandmother's way. Um, the beach was always available to us and she was always confident um, that when we went to the beach we were safe. So well, I think she was, I mean she never said that but you know we could just go so um, but you know she had this uncanny thing that we knew when we were doing something wrong she would be looking for us oh. and she would come down the beach looking for us and it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she must know somehow. <laughs> but that's how they are, they must know somehow. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up in, in Waiehu, down on the Makai side was, was the best. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you learn not to give names to the animals in the farm. <laughs> Not to make them pets because they may not be there tomorrow and, and you can't get attached to them. <laughs> so, you know, there are many lessons learned when you um, are raised in the country. And not least of which is to uh, pay attention, to be respectful, to listen to directions and to the elders or whoever is in charge of you, mm -hmm. which also included for me, my older cousins. Uh, they were in charge of me, so I needed to listen to them as well. So I think, you know, being raised in, in a country setting was um, the best. Mm -hmm. um, when I went back to, um, Honolulu, I remember distinctly this one time, I, and, and I went to Kamehameha schools from when I was in kindergarten. Okay. And so I remember this time, you know, my, the teacher asked, oh, what kind, asked me, oh, what kind of cereal did you have for breakfast this morning? And I went, what is cereal? <laughs> because that's not what we eat. Mm. You know, we eat last night's dinner for today's breakfast, or with my grandparents, we would have um, almost every day, I had coco'olau tea and rice or, or um, cracker. Um, it, it, it was a shock to me that people don't eat like that. <laughs> when that is, and when I came home to my mother, it was the Gosh. same way. But I also say um, being having the opportunity to live in Honolulu also provided me with a way to look at living with other people not like oh, us. Yeah. You know, when you live in the country, everybody around is kind of the same. But when you live in the city, you know, there are lots of people not like us. And, and so that was a whole different kind of um, awareness and whereas my grandmother gave us independence to to go to the beach go to our neighbor's house yeah. gave in the country they gave you an, an amount of independence mm -hmm. um, when when I was living in Honolulu 
because at the time we lived in Waikiki and there were lots of Hawaiians in Waikiki, mm -hmm. we had a kind of independence too. Um, we could go down to the beach, down to Kuhio Beach with, with just my sister and I. We didn't, my mother didn't have to go mm -hmm. with us. Um, I went to Kamehameha and I had to ride the public transportation bus from Waikiki to Kalihi mm. and back, which is a long ride. Um, and it was just my sister and I. Mm. So I think the belief that we were safe was still there. Yeah, where today, um, yeah, mm, not so sure. Yeah, not so sure. You know, you, you mentioned um, your grandma was really adept at collecting all of the things from the kahakai. Uh, what about um, home remedies for ailments or, or things like oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, she didn't drive, and so when my auntie went to work, she took the car. So anything that happened at home, you got to take care of it oh, yourself. Because yeah. um, there's no jumping in the car and going to the, to the doctor. So. She absolutely, her go-to plants were popolo. Um, we, she also kukui. Um, we also, um, she used um, aloe uh, quite a bit and those are all plants she could grow in her close vicinity. Um, you know, and living in the country, there was always bangs and cuts and, yeah. <laughs> and bruises and, all kinds of crazy things that happen to to us as children, and um, you know, we she always found ways to heal them. Mm -hmm. um, I had fallen and split my upper lip mm -hmm. in the middle, and she she used aloe. She just squeezed it. She used aloe, and she held it, and the thing healed. You know, like it had been stitched. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know when you have crazy cousins that that think that they're going to be Superman and yeah. tie the towel around their neck and jump off the, <laughs> the roof of the house, you know she's got to figure out how to how to take care of them, because or or the other crazy cousin that dared his brother to walk on fire and he did. Oh my God! <laughs> so you know those kind of. Thank Don't keep the kids those. together kind of thing. <laughs> and so, yes, she did. She had home remedies. We, because we lived down at the beach, many of us had what, um, in Hawaiian, it's called kane. But um, the, the slang word for it is um, haole rot. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a form of psoriasis. And so um, I had it, and she, she made a poultice that, burn like hell. Mm. She made a poultice that needed to be on twice a day um, and, and then it goes away. So I don't know all of her remedies, but um, I, I, I can't tell you what the concoctions were mm. that she put together, but most definitely uh, around the house were, were those kinds of um, plants mm -hmm. that would be able to be used by her. Uh, uhaloa for sore throat, I was asthmatic, so those kinds of plants oh, that yeah. helped that. Mm -hmm. um, we also had, she also took me up uh, the sand hill to get what is known as ihi ihi, 
and ihi when you it's a it's a clover like family clover, yeah. and when you eat it it's warm mm -hmm. when it goes down and so i know she she gave me ihi we did we gathered cocoolau tea and and prepared it and had it almost every day mm -hmm. um popolo um aloe kukui um those are the things mm. i remember i like too that the question said remedies because we we just had that discussion about um medical the medical systems and they have treatments and if it's founded in um corporate structure or industry they want the treatment to be drawn out as long as possible but like when your grandma was able to um she does seal it. Yeah, seal it. It's a one-time thing. You want it to be a remedy for that, not just to treat it over an extended period mm -hmm. of time. And to and to have it work as quick as possible. Yeah. yeah. You know. And cheap as possible. And cheap as possible. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about food, and now my stomach's all rumbling. <laughs> awesome. Let's see. What else can we talk about? Oh, how about sharing an embarrassing moment in mm. your life? Yeah, so th there's been several in my life. Um, uh, things that are formative to me that also are embarrassing. Like, it's not wasted on me, I think. Um, but the one that always stands out is um, as an entertainer, when I was being um, trained to be an entertainer and a, and a vocalist. Um, you remember Uncle Stansford Kainam, mm -hmm. um, Uncle Larry Arietta, mm -hmm. and Antinona um, and me would always play together, gig together. And I had my first ukulele, oh, I think when I, was, when I was 16 or 17, but I wasn't even allowed to sing like on the microphone um, until I was 21. And when you're 21, you have uh, even a bigger ego than you do when you're 46. <laughs> and um, I remember we were playing at, um, somewhat, maybe it was in my, my mid-20s, but we were playing at the Papuhaku um, mm -hmm. Community Center and um, Uncle Stansford, Uncle Larry, Antinona and me were singing and I, I did my present, my song and ended it and nobody clapped. And so I said things like, oh, maybe their hands are broken or maybe they, their, their ears deaf or something. And Antinona, still in shot of the microphone, she, she said, she pointed to the, the banner on the back of the wall that had the baby's face airbrushed on it and his name, happy birthday, and said, that's your face on that banner. That's your face on that banner. And I was like, just looking at her like mortified because people can hear <laughs> on the <laughs> microphone. And she said, they're not here for you. They're here for the baby. Do your job. And then um, Uncle Larry on, his, on the bass, bass. And you know how they, they scold you, but they don't scold you. He just said, mm, shame. And then um, Uncle, Uncle Stancer is just like this, just didn't even look at me. <laughs> but you know, the show must go on, and so you fall right in line, but that has always stuck with me. Your kuleana is most important, and so as embarrassed as I was after that, like it really makes you remember, you're not above your kuleana, and you're not, abo you're not above reproach either, mm -hmm. anytime. I won the falsetto competition, and on the plane ride home, and I, it was televised and I thanked my teachers. On the plane ride home, Antinona said, oh, you won, what, you, what did you win? So I had the bag of goodies with me. I had the small Nokia phone at the time. And I was telling her as I was getting on the plane, all the things in this bag, she goes, that's not what you won. And I was like, oh no, I, no, I have the certificate right here. 
And she's like, no, what you want is a lifetime of never being kapulu. Welcome to my world. I'll talk to you when you get home. <laughs> right? Because now I mention all my teachers. And, you know, she, she, so that embarrassing is a way to keep you humble, but also to remind you, like, you're where your actual priorities are. So as embarrassing as those moments are. <laughs> right, you know. and, and the embarrassing moments, you know, for, for those who take them as a learning moment, mm -hmm. as a, a lesson, um, should never be lost. And, and I agree with you, you know, our, our teachers, whether, <laughs> whether it's family or not family, you know, our, our teachers are the ones that like I said, are, are in charge of us. Yeah. And, and if, and that's what I think, you know, when you, when you talk about, oh, you didn't go to college and, and stuff like that, but you, you have all of these teachers. I think the, 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 the weight of that is greater on someone like mm. you, because when you go to college, as soon as you leave that professor's room, mm. class, there's an okay. They don't. You don't belong to them oh, any yeah. longer, and you have no accountability, accountability any longer. And it all becomes just you. Mm. Whereas uh, in the life true. that you have led, uh, the accountability is always and everywhere, constantly, constantly <laughs> and everywhere. Mm. And that kind of learning, our kupuna valued mm. such as what your father said you know they valued at the highest level that they they could because they realized mm. that that accountability never stops yeah yeah and is often passed on to the next generation yeah. you know so um it's tough love too it's tough love to yeah <laughs> uh you know i didn't know it wasn't normal and so you're mentioning like um, Ko'oko'olau and all those things. <clears throat> my f when we moved here, my first experiences in Halau and with the kupuna and hearing language and seeing the types of things that we did, like kuahu things or ceremony things, that's my only experience. And I took for granted that that was everybody's mm -hmm. experience. And so there's, um, I think I'm, I was very lucky. Um, I don't know how everything's aligned that I was able to be put in those situations or found my ways to those situations. Um, but now it's becoming normalized mm -hmm. through, through the things that, that you and I and, and the other kumuhula here on Maui are able to do, especially with this halal uivi art that's going to come up. But being able to normalize those things mm -hmm. again. Then. Yeah, I always say that I am very fortunate to have been raised in a Hawaiian household mm -hmm and to be raised in um, you know, the best of both worlds so that um, I can perhaps carry those best of both worlds mm -hmm. um, forward. Um, I don't know if this should stay on the recording, <laughs> but um, you know, my mother was a, a strong advocate of education, um, including uh, college, Etc. And and one of the things that she said to me was, "You need to go and learn about them, so that you know them more than they know you, mm, yeah. and you can stand toe to toe with them yeah. and tell them their 
shortfalls as they look at your shortcomings. And so, uh, that's what I did. Yeah. I thought, okay, bum, here we go. And um, I, I have found that that has surfaced more than once. You know, that's because that's the kind of mother I had with, um, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe kind of business yeah. with, with people <laughs> as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's having that best of both worlds that, um, you know, I hope can be valued. Mm. Yeah, the best of both worlds can be valued. I like that. Um, so I'm learning from that, like, how do we best, how, we have the, the ability to articulate both sides of the situation when um, the other side is basically one-sided. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a strength. And, and it's the same way that we've talked about why um, our children and ourselves need to learn more than one language, mm -hmm. need to learn Hawaiian yeah. as well as English, yeah. is we're able to articulate in both languages mm -hmm. to the benefit of the languages that we represent. Yeah. yeah, so we're, I think, doubling the learning is always better. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Mm -hmm. just, just as a side note, I'm reading the um, 1841 Constitution Mm -hmm. the Hawaiian and then they translated in 1842 in English they're so different the documents are so different but like I just was telling Tony this morning I was reading the the part about um, families who have three or more children and th their re their reduction of taxes and having to work on and I was just crying like I, I was literally teary-eyed and I read the English and it's so so ugly like there was no, no emotion <laughs> but yeah, how, yeah how do we articulate this to them to show how treasured people are in the community. In the community, absolutely. Resources. So I think my last question to you is, how would you like to be remembered? You still have a long life to go. Yeah. How would you like to be remembered? My, my thing is, um, and pardon my French, but I'd rather be remembered, remembered as an asset instead of just an ass. <laughs> and so whatever I, I did, I hope I never detracted from, from somebody's efforts or from our efforts, but I'd rather be remembered as an asset and not an ass. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and how would you like to remember? Well, I think um, I'd like to be re remembered um, by, um, by, by the thought that she was, she being me, mm. she was tremendously proud to be Hawaiian mm. and tremendously proud to be from Maui. Mm. If those are the two things, then my life had value. You're already <laughs> regarded as such. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. You know, um, like through, through projects like this, like I, I'm grateful for this because even as, as not cutesy but as simple as it seems if only um, my teachers if only I had done this with my teachers yes, and my kupuna yes, and just yes. you know uh, and back then we didn't have cell phones right so I, have, I don't even have that many pictures of them or with them uh, and it's all here mm -hmm. and so this aids our descendants in being able to hear the words from us 
But right now, like she has stories that she can pass on verbally to her children and grandchildren. And we're, we're trained to make it our experience too. We're trained to make it our experience. And so when I talk about my teachers constantly to my, my students, they will say they never met them. Well, most of them never met most of them, but that they know, know them. them. And they know where did this song come from? Where did this saying come from? They know exactly. And so I think that that's part of what is unique to us in that it's not um, part of the past, but it's still lived. Mm-hmm. And even with our, our contemporary music industry, the same songs that my, my kupuna and my teachers loved, even if they go back to the 1800s, mm-hmm. are, the, are still award-winning, on award-winning albums contemporarily recorded. And so in the world, it's very unique. Like, like the song I recorded, Hole, is, can be maybe 1,100 years old, the words are, but every new iteration of it is, has been extremely popular mm-hmm. amongst the newest mm-hmm. generations. So where in the world do you go that you can hear an 1,100-year-old song that is when, when it starts to be played, people stand up and dance or they start cheering or, or things like that. It's, it's, um, that's unique to us, unique to, that's how our art is enduring and our culture is enduring because it's, it's not in the past, it's continued to, to be lived um, through us. Yeah. And, and I think um, not only as Kumuhula and, and as um, musicians or recording artists, we have, we see it as a, a kuleana to, to bring the stories of those mele forward too. Yeah. And we know stories touch people in their own way, in their own place. Place Very much like maybe what we're sharing here. You and I, I might talk about my, my home life down in, in Waiehu, but it may spark memories yeah. of, of someone else. Same like mele um, and hole or, or, or songs written in the, the late 1800s yeah. that mm-hmm. we still do today yeah. and we love, appreciate. And, and it's because we value them and we share that value yeah. with others. And that is a, to me, needs to be constant. Yes, yeah. If we lose that, we lose a part of, of this, of ourselves. And we lose a part of Hawaii. Yeah. We lose a part of who we are. You know, sometimes people who, who, who come to Hawaii that don't have an opportunity like this, um, it, they forget what, what is important about this place. Mm-hmm. And much of, of what we've talked about are people, places, experiences. Um, those are what make life rich and, and what makes life beautiful living in Hawaii. Yeah, experiences. You know, I, I, I lived on the continent for one year um, when I was in the fourth grade. Um, one year, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like the people, they were mean, especially because I came from a quite sheltered life, you know, <laughs> with my grandparents and with my mother, <laughs> a quite sheltered life. Um, and, and when I came back home to Hawaii, um, 
I remember remembering why I love it. Mm. Yeah, even at that young age, I couldn't wait to get back to Waieho. Mm. I, I couldn't wait to get back to the ocean. I couldn't wait to, to get back to my family, you know, my extended family. So I remember even at that young age why I love um, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it pains me when our young people need to move because of work, because of finances, because of whatever the reasons yeah. are. It, it pains me that that has to happen. Hopefully they come back home after a time, uh, but it still it pains me. You know, even it, with that, the statistics that say that um, just under half of all people who identify as Native Hawaiian, just under half live elsewhere of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. and, and even the statistic here on Maui that now 51% um, of Maui residents, Maui Island residents were born outside of Hawaii. Yeah. Um, what does that do to the values of the place and the people, uh, not just voting you know, preferences, but the actual values of, of that. I just had a discussion today in my office about um, <clears throat> that, that saying, no Hawaiians, no aloha, no Hawaiians, no aloha. So if there are no Hawaiians, there is no aloha. But if you know Hawaiians, then you will know aloha. Mm -hmm. And um, why move to Hawaii? Why be, how can you be in love with Hawaii but not love Hawaiian culture? Or, right. Or, you know, Right, exactly, because it's part and parcel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that um, if you allow it to be so. Yes, um, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, if you Not know over superimposed. K and O W, yeah. if you allow it to be so, um, your life would be much more rich and, and um, full mm -hmm. and, and I think lovely if you allow it to be so. What you mentioned was uh, when you lived in, in um, Honolulu uh, and then you also said about when you graduate from the university there's the independent nature of living in a city as opposed to living in Waiahu, a, a, a very integrated community. Um, learning in the university where you, you puka and you're, you're alone and you even forget your, com your professor's name after mm -hmm. a while mm -hmm. or learning as opposed to learning from kupuna. You, you remember these things. One of the, um, the benefits of this community here is how we know each other, our, our relationships with each other. I was on the plane airports yesterday, and I, when I was coming back even from Honolulu, all the people that you know and you're, you know, you're hugging and you're, you're kissing, you're fanning to people or waving to people. What do the, I wonder what the visitors see when they see that. Oh, they know everybody, mm -hmm. but it's true. That's mm -hmm. that's the form of accountability that we're mm -hmm. we're we're to not just to local culture, but to Hawaiian culture and vice versa. And that that's the beauty of this. That's why we're actually here because of our pilina with Sissy, with Sissy. and our pilina together. And um, and I like that whole idea of accountability because you know living on an island and 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 trying to realize that. As our ancestors knew, everything was finite. Yeah. Yeah. That that if you don't pay attention, your 
your world ends where that big wide yeah. ocean <laughs> is. Right, yeah. So if you don't pay attention to your neighbors, pay attention to your aina, pay attention to your environment, you risk not being able to flourish yourself. Yeah. Not that that's the first thought, but it is a reality. Yeah, it is. is. Is that when you live on an island, the I, and this is in a positive way. Some people go, oh, rock fever, whatever, whatever. Mm. But when you live on an island, the, the plus is you're much more aware of how you impact everyone around yes. you and how everyone around you impacts you. Gosh, you know, we're constantly thinking, how did that get taken when I did this? Or how, sh how do I sit? How, how are we interacting? Right? Who do we defer to? Who do we... We're, we're constantly thinking like that. It's, um, that's also, I think, why our culture has such a refined um, value called aloha, which is founded in empathy and sympathy and compassion for other people's states of being. If I see you and you're angry, instead of me being angry at you, I have to understand that's a product of everything you, you experienced prior to me seeing you. That's that. It's a, it's a way to thrive and even the elevated forms that fall under Ho'oponopono, all of those tools that allow us to, um, to be an integrated and, and functioning society. Uh, it's, it is different, you know, um, for Wailuku itself, um, even despite how it changed from, from pre-Kamehameha to Kamehameha times, then you have the, the monarchy times to, to uh, colonized times, the enduring sense of relationship has held that together, regardless of how the, the populations have been influenced or changed. There still is that feeling when you walk in Wailuku, that feeling of fam familiarity, where, like, just the other day when we were, I was walking, how many people honk at me? <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, and, and you know, you're waving and stuff like that. That is what makes Wailuku, one of the things that makes Wailuku such a special place. And Maui, of course, too, but it's that pilina that we still have um, amongst ourselves, not just this, the relationship to place, but to people. You know, when, um, uh, when I first started Halau on Maui, um, one of the, the, I only did kahiko because I didn't know Awana very much, <laughs> but I knew plenty kahiko. But when it came time that I needed to do Awana, mm. um, and um, I sought out regular musicians. Um, I sought out childhood friends. Mm. Yeah, I sought out the Waiehu sons, yeah, yeah. and they were. I sought out childhood friends because our families have been friends for generations upon generation. Mm. Their my grandparents and their grandparents were friends. My mother and their dad was friends. I and they are friends. So, you, so we sought them out as our um, musicians and they were our musicians yeah. for 25 plus years yeah. of all the things that we did because it was that relationship mm -hmm. of family and because they came from Waiehumauka and we came from Waiehumakai, so the families 
knew each other over the course of those many generations. Yeah. And then your kids. And then my children. And their kids. And, and their, their your grandchildren and their grandchildren. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So, Pili. so, you know, I think um, our conversation about many things, I think really comes down to what we talked about here last. And that has to do with pilina, mm. that has to do with relationship, that has to do with aloha, which are all the foundational things of what makes good living in a place like Hawaii, yeah. and most definitely in a place like Maui. Mm -hmm. Is that relationship, that pilina, that aloha, those awarenesses of other before self, mm -hmm. um, those are all the things that make, continue to make um, this place a good place to live. Is it changing? Tremendously. Is it harder and harder to, to find pilina? I don't think so. Mm. Because pilina is built over time. Yeah. Oh. And if we, if we spend time with one another, we build Pilina. Yeah. Like even Sissy, her dad and my mom, my mother, were friends. They were raised on Maui. And so when time comes for her needing help and I needing help, it's, it's a natural, sure, mm -hmm. let's see what we can do. Um, so it's all built, built on that whole idea of aloha and pilina, yeah. yeah, which is part of aloha. We build a pilina because we have Through aloha. aloha yeah. Yay. Feel good? <laughs> Did it.